Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring, the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Before we start this episode, I want to make sure you know and are going to look for announcements about the February 14th, midday, noon, presentation I'm going to do. It's a special workshop called Recipe for the Heart Healthy Divorce. It's a concept I have worked on for the past year, and it is a four-step process that will help you exponentially get through the divorce in a less acrimonious way. In fact, far more amicably than you would realize, even if only one spouse engages in it. So February 14th, recipe for a heart healthy divorce. There is no charge for this. I am pre-marrying this as a workshop and it can also be recorded. You can watch it at a later time. So please look for this. Uh, I'll have an email sign up list so everybody can get connected who wants to. Okay. This episode, episode 207, Benefits of Mediation During the Emotional Divorce. So last week, I explained there are two divorces. There's the emotional divorce and there's the legal divorce. And if you want the best divorce possible, you'll go through the emotional divorce first, which means sorting out all of the emotions, the anger, the blame, all the grief stages before you try and make legal decisions in the filing process. So today's episode will be benefits of mediation during the emotional divorce. Now, mediation has traditionally been used after disclosure forms have been exchanged to deal with the division of assets and debts and then the co-parenting schedule, child support, alimony, and spousal support. But there's a new approach taking hold, and I've started doing this with my clients, and that is to use mediation during the emotional divorce. So when you get to the legal divorce and exchange the disclosure forms, All the decisions are so much easier and they're not fraught with anger. I found an article that lays out the concept of mediation and how it benefits spouses during the emotional divorce better than I could say it myself. Diane Newman, a mediator, wrote an article a few years ago for the... um, Uh, for her own website in her blog called The Psychological Stages of Divorce. And she lays out the case for mediation and the benefits mediation plays in the five stages of emotional divorce. Now, before I read this to you, I want you to know that there are many people who talk about the five stages of grief in the emotional divorce, the seven stages of grief. Somebody even goes up to 10. Regardless of whether it's five, seven, or 10, there's basic stages that come up in any of these computations, and it's blame, anger, uh, well, you'll hear them. Let, let me lay them out for you now. So let's start with her, the beginning, the introduction to Diane Newman's article, The Psychological Stages of Divorce. 
Rarely is anyone prepared for the end of their marriage. This is almost as true for the spouse who initiates the divorce as it is for the spouse who is being left. Marriages are very difficult to end and everyone everyone goes through a period of emotional transition, which can be described as a series of stages. Over the years, my work with separating and divorcing couples has shown five distinct emotional stages that comprise the divorce transition. These combined stages generally take an average of three years, though for some people the period is shorter, while for others it is longer. The stages may occur in a specific order, though they may also blend and overlap. Occasionally, someone skips a stage. The person who wants the divorce is called the initiator spouse, while the person who is not requesting the divorce and usually does not want the divorce is called the non-initiator spouse. The initiator experiences the first stage of divorce while still living with his or her spouse. Typically, this is not true for the non-initiator spouse. This individual begins the first stage after hearing of the divorce or after the couple has physically separated. This difference in the beginning of the transition causes a difference in the length of time it takes each person to complete the five stages. And this difference is a major reason why spouses are at different stages as they progress through the divorce process. Stage one, blaming the other spouse. The focus during this stage is on the non-initiator spouse. The initiator blames his or her spouse for all of the past, present, and future problems in their life. Both men and women are obsessively preoccupied with their past marital relationship and often relive scenes from earlier years. During stage one, the individual may develop a negative self-image and be easily hurt. She or he appears depressed and sad much of the time and experiences a low energy level. Friends and relatives describe the individual as very upset. The characteristics of a person in stage one will differ depending on whether he or she is the initiator or the non-initiator. The initiator is seeking relief from a stressful situation. Hand in hand with the feeling of relief, however, the individual experiences guilt over the decision to divorce. Additional feelings of blame, fear, anger, and depression exist, but are often masked as he or she tries to act as if nothing were wrong. The non-initiator often describes the initiator as stubborn or going through a stage. They just don't understand what's going on. Sometimes the initiator is not the one who really wants the divorce. For example, Tom knew that if he continued his affair with Susan, his wife, Barbara, would end their marriage. He continued to see Susan and his wife finally demanded a divorce. Though she is described as the initiator, she is not the one who wanted the divorce. She's reacting to Tom having an affair, and that's her only method of ending the pain. Stage one is often the first time the non-initiator hears that the relationship is over. A period of disbelief follows, 
accompanied with a denial of the reality of separation or divorce. Indeed, that person may become divorce opposed, spending all of his or her energy resisting the divorce. The non-initiator feels as though she or he has no control concerning the decision to divorce and as a result experiences a helplessness and a lack of control. The individual often reacts in one of two extreme ways, either by letting the initiator make all of the decisions in the separation and divorce, or by taking control and attempting to make all of the decisions. This stage is the most difficult of the emotional stages of divorce because of the profound changes, the loss, and the fear of the unknown. A former client described this as, quote, my shell shock months, end quote. This is also a time of diminished parenting. Men and women are too deeply immersed in their own feelings to attend well to the needs of their children. Mediation benefits during stage one. Mediation allows each individual to take some degree of control over their lives. In addition, the process helps clients to start making short-term decisions concerning the physical separation. Mediation helps each client with the following. It fosters a sense of control. It diffuses a fear of the separation and divorce process. It structures information gathering. It organizes basic living expenses. It develops better parenting skills and works out physical separation details. Mediation encourages tasks that are geared for this period and helps to make sense of the ambivalent and upsetting feelings that are prevalent. Stage two, mourning the loss. This stage can be compared to the general theme of Kubler-Ross's stages of death and dying. Let me stop there a minute. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was a Swiss-American psychologist who wrote the book on death and dying. And she's the one that first introduced the five stages of grief when we lose someone to death. And then those five stages are really the exact five stages in divorce only there are a couple other stages added. Uh, one of the other stages is shock. One of the, and another one is uh, apology and forgiveness. These are really important because unlike death, your spouse is still living. And so apology and forgiveness have got to come in somewhere or you'll be sick the rest of your life. You'll never heal from the divorce. We'll tackle this in other episodes. Back to the article. The primary focus is acknowledging the end of the relationship. This is in stage two. Anyone who has witnessed someone in this stage is struck by the profound grieving. When a person explains, quote, I just sat and cried for weeks, end quote. This is not an exaggeration. The grief feels overwhelming. There is an exaggerated, quote unquote, poor me attitude. The future looms ahead hopeless and meaningless. Each of us builds our identity through the roles in our life. We each have several roles in our life, which bear varying degrees of importance to us. The various roles of a divorcing woman, for example, may be those of computer programmer, 
as a job, mother, and wife. The importance of a role depends on how much the role was part of their identity. A client of mine, well, not mine, but Diane's, described how she felt as she looked at her mail addressed to Mrs. Frank Rossi. Quote, that's just not me anymore, end quote. While in stage two, the individual tends to be overly sensitive to any comments and interprets ambiguous comments as criticism. A second characteristic is an intense preoccupation with his or her own feelings. The individual needs emotional support, yet is ambivalent about the kind of support they want. It's really a confusing time. During this time, individuals have difficulty concentrating on tasks as he or she is lost in a world of feelings. Parenting is still diminished as the parent needs all of their energy for themselves. It will be somewhat easier for clients to be in mediation during stage two as both spouses are letting go of the relationship, but it's still difficult to make long-term decisions. Mediation benefits during stage two. Uh, continuation of short-term tasks becomes easier. There's a refocus from the poor me attitude. There is help in letting go in the process. There's an acknowledgement of grief so that the spouse is not pushed into anger stage too quickly, which is the next stage, the third stage. Um, the reality that there is a divorce sinks in, and there's a structure for further information gathering that's, um, uh, that's, or, well, that's organized. During stage two, the positive feelings toward this, excuse me, toward the spouse surface and serve to establish a necessary foundation for people to work out what is best for each of them. The mediation process allows feelings to be constructively channeled into a framework that is working toward a fair settlement. That is at the end of all of this is the settlement that everybody has to reach. Stage three, anger. Quote, the rage comes from a feeling of being betrayed by your spouse by life itself, end quote. That's from Diane. Though anger is seen at just about every stage of the divorce transition, it is now the dominant trait. The rage is upsetting, especially to friends and relatives. The anger is most often directed toward the spouse, but it may also be aimed at all women or all men. There is a sense of righteousness to the anger, that the spouse is wrong and deserves to suffer. A common fantasy during the stage this stage is that the judge, if you are going through hearings, will, procl will proclaim the spouse, the other spouse, the bad individual, and declare me the wronged spouse. The parents may upset their children by reacting with sudden, unexpected rage at, at just the mention, the name of their spouse by the children. Behind the anger, however, are many fears, such as, how will I live alone? Will I have enough money to support myself? Will I find someone else? On the positive side, parenting skills are slowly returning and the individuals are better able to attend to the needs of their children. 
it does get better, everybody, if you're in the first or second stage of the emotional divorce in regards to parenting, it does get better. The individual's energy level is higher than at the earlier stages, and there is correspondingly higher self-esteem. Anger and energy are part of the same cycle, and anger means movement. There is a good point to This is a good point to be in mediation because the individual has the energy to be actively engaged. Mediation benefits during stage three. Mediation diffuses anger. Mediation directs energy into specific tasks. Mediation enhances decision-making abilities. Mediation provides management of a variety of tasks. Mediation focuses on long-term goals. And mediation is now reality testing. So the things you talk about are about the reality, the new reality that is forming. If you hear of a bitter, hotly contested divorce trial, you can be certain that at least one of the spouses is in the anger stage. Mediation plays a significant role during this stage by diffusing the anger. Rather than fuel the fires, it redirects energy by focusing on concrete and specific aspects of the agreement. Stage four, being single. So even before you're finally divorced, you're living single when two households are established. This is a stage that the media glamorizes as second adolescence, since individuals are frequently trying out new experiences. Contrary to popular belief, these experiences are not exclusively sexual. Often, the spouse will be upset to learn that the new activity is something, this is going to be fun for you to listen to, is something the individual wanted their spouse to share in during the marriage. For many people, this is the first time in their adult lives that they have been single. Being single, however, has more to do with making your own decisions than with marital status. One of the most significant changes is the growing sense of being a whole person, of not needing the spouse to make him or her complete. Men and women start to trust in themselves to make their own decisions and their self-image is much improved over the earlier stages. Parenting tends to reestablish itself during this stage. Individuals in this stage are able to make decisions more easily than in the previous stages. The energy level is high in comparison to the earlier stages. This is the ideal time to use mediation for clients are in a good place to actively take part in negotiations. Mediation benefits during stage four. Mediation benefits heightened communication between the spouses. It it facilitates co-parenting, cooperation. It provides opportunity for improved relationship interaction, and it helps in long-term planning. Stage four is an ideal time for mediation, primarily due to the positive attitude one has towards change and oneself. Since the individual is in a relatively good emotional phase, mediation is more efficient and less painful. And lastly, stage five, re-entry. If there is a 
dominant theme during stage five. It's the feeling of being in control of your life again. Men and women alike believe that they have some control over their future. Individuals in stage five are able to make long-term plans and commitments. If both spouses are in this stage, they will rarely be engaged in a courtroom trial. Invariably, however, spouses have completed most if not all, of their divorce settlement. Mediation will be relatively smooth at this point as the individual is involved in a new life. Though that spouse has strong feelings towards his or her spouse and these feelings affect their life, the individual accepts the end of the marriage and continues on with his or her new and changed life. Mediation benefits during stage five. Mediation makes life more efficient. It provides closure. There's emphasis on the future. And it's relatively painless now. Mediation is used at any time during a divorce. The mediator understands that the behavior of the clients is typical during these stages. It is not a sign of mental illness, though the spouses may question that. The stages are typical behavior for divorcing individuals. A mediator can help provide a framework for discussion and information gathering that respects the client and one which assists to create a fair agreement. So well said, Diane Newman. Thank you so much for that article. And I hope this benefited all of you. So in the show notes, I outlined everything that I just read so that that's going to be beneficial if you print out the show notes. Uh, and seriously, I couldn't have said it better myself. So thank you all for listening. Don't forget upcoming February 14th, Recipe for a Heart Healthy Divorce. I will be joined, by the way, by my colleague, Patty McGuire, who's a worthiness coach. And her input is going to be invaluable as we talk about the four ingredients to the recipe for a heart healthy divorce. Thank you all for listening. Please email me at judith at the amicable divorce expert.com. Judith at the amicable divorce expert.com. Let me have your email address. I'm going to start this list before I even post a way for all of you to sign up. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else.